This is the Affirm America podcast, where we stand up and speak out affirming American excellence. Coming to you deep in the heart of the Midwest, located in an undisclosed log cabin on the outskirts of town, your host, Marquis Vandemark. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Affirm America podcast. That's right, I'm your host, Marquis Vandemark. And we are back from the sunshine state of Florida after spending a few days at CPAC 2022. Spend a little extra time there, soak up some of the sunshine, the sun rays, get some vitamin D back in our system. Now we're back in the heart of the country, the Midwest, where people love their country, freedom, liberty, peace, free from government tyranny. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Affirm America podcast. I have a very good program with you for you today. As we were down at CPAC, of course, we had a number of interviews. If you haven't caught uh, my last episode with Zygmunt Skowinski, Polish freedom fighter, check it out. It's very timely, talks a lot about Ukraine and and the situation with the Russia invasion. Of course, he grew up living through the Russian invasion, and he shares some of his ideas about Putin and where this is all headed. So check that out. If you haven't subscribed to my podcast yet, you can go to affirmamerica.com, put in your email address, and every time we drop an episode, you'll get an email notification. You can also reach me at Marquise at affirmamerica.com. It's M-A-R-Q-U-I-S at affirmamerica.com. I've got a very interesting um, episode for you today. I got a chance to speak with Dr. Peter McCullough at CPAC. We sat down for about, oh, about 10, 15 minutes and talked a little bit about the COVID virus and where we are today. So I'm going to play that for you right now, and then we'll talk a little bit about it on the backside. Here it is. Okay, we're here at CPAC with Dr. McCullough, who gave an excellent speech last night at the uh, second day of CPAC. I'm here with him today. Welcome, uh, Dr. McCullough. Well, thanks so much for having me. This is my first meeting. I've never been to a political action committee meeting or been to a political meeting of any type, let alone been on stage as a practicing doctor addressing such a large and charged audience. What did you think about it? What was your experience? It was a real high. I, I have to tell you, I had seven minutes, and I learned uh, in my first Senate testimony with Senator Ron Johnson, if you have something important to say, keep it short. And it's true. When in my first Senate testimony, I had five minutes to make my case. Yesterday, seven minutes. And what I told America was that, you know, as a doctor and as a citizen, I have not been satisfied with what I've seen in terms of our public health agency and governmental response to the pandemic. And I think there have been many shortcomings. There clearly have been advancements. And I wanted America to hear a balanced view on my interpretation of the pandemic along four major points and the path forward. So where are we right now in the the virus, the, the, the COVID virus, where, where are we? Is this thing over? 
Are we concerned about a, uh, a mutation? I mean, what, what American people got to be concerned about today? The curtains are clearly closing. And what America doesn't know, is this the end of Act 2? And are we going on to Act 3? Or is this the, is this the end? Is there going to be an encore? And we've just come down off the Omicron outbreak. The Omicron outbreak lasted about two months. It was the highest of all the outbreak epidemiologic curves, five to ten times bigger than Alpha or Delta. It, Omicron was the most frequently and widely mutated form of the spike protein and overall changed virus itself. Uh, it replicated 70 times faster than Delta in the nasopharynx. Uh, the mutations in the spike protein did not allow it to invade the body nearly as much as the uh, previous variants. And so people uh, had a, 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 an experience with a very contagious illness. We had more Americans sick at the same time than any other period of time. It broke through natural immunity, so someone who had previously had a virus could have it again, although protection of natural immunity against Omicron in a New England Journal of Medicine paper by a group from Qatar estimated at 60% protection of prior immunity. It clearly broke through vaccine immunity. And uh, in all the reports in the United States and outside the United States, the majority of people who had Omicron were fully vaccinated. But the important point was rates of hospitalization and death were low. Some studies, the composites were less than 1%. Wonderful. That meant it was a home problem. And number two, now we're down off this curve. We are seeing fewer and fewer cases. The deaths that have occurred in the last two months have largely, I think, been residual Delta infection deaths. We'll never know unless there's uh, sequencing. And so the, the way this virus has worked is that if we're going to have another outbreak, it's going to become apparent quickly. And if we see quiescence and lower numbers of cases in the face of progressive reopening. And we've seen uh, a, a dropping of mandates and a dropping of restrictions across the globe. We could be towards the end of a long, hard two years. I, I heard you talking about uh, nasal uh, protection, uh, ways to uh, ward off the, the virus. T talk a little bit about that, because that's something I, I didn't really think too much about as far as uh, what we can do to protect our body through either supplementation or the nasal wash, which I think is important. I'm going to go back with my wife. We're going to start doing nasal washes. So uh, talk a little bit about that. It became clear over the course of two years that SARS-CoV-2, the virus, and COVID-19, the illness, was one of the nasopharynx that the virus is in the air. The virus is in an aerosol in the air. It wasn't readily transmitted on the hands. Now, all around us are dispensers of hand sanitizer. I see one, two, three, right down this row. It's not a hand infection. And you'll see newsreels of uh, correspondence. There's one of a CNN medical correspondent teaching Americans how to sterilize pizza boxes. Uh, there are newsreels in Europe where, um, where there are very uh, uh, stern-looking workers that are spraying football stadium states uh, uh, as if the virus is going to emanate off of a plastic seat. There's even one with a worker going up and down a neighborhood spraying the sidewalk as if the virus can just rise up out of the sidewalk. The misconceptions about how the virus spread uh, were extraordinary. What we've learned 
is it spreads from acutely sick person to susceptible person. Uh, and, and it takes a considerable exposure of being in a relatively close, confined space for a prolonged period of time. And data from China, as well as from uh, all over the United States, have always shown 85% of the spread occurred within the home. And because it starts as an infection in the nasopharynx, and because it takes three to five days to actually replicate to the point of actually invading the body, there's an opportunity. And over the course of 2020 and 2021, outside the United States, there have been uh, 12 uh, seminal studies, three large high-quality randomized trials, that if we actually wash the nasal, the, the nasal passages and the mouth with a substance that kills the virus, and that's done with some degree of thoroughness and repetitiveness, that in fact we can prevent infections and if infections occur, we can make them more mild. Now, the solutions are povidone iodine. It's bought in a bottle of a 10% solution. It's called betadine. And the dilution is half a teaspoon in 1.5 ounces of, wa of water, which is a shot glass. That's easy for people to remember. And it's a consistency of dark tea. Taking a bulb syringe or a spray bottle and over the sink, because it's going to drip, spray it up into the nose, sniff it back to the back of the, and then spit it out. It's got to go all the way through that cycle, do it twice on either side, and then gargle with the rest and spit it out. That is a thorough nasal wash. That can be twice, done twice a day on days like today for prevention. So you're already out here on the convention floor. Once you're done, you've gone through the airport, and you've gone home, there's no rush. But you get at home, go ahead and do that before you go to bed. You'll probably never uh, breathe so well because it cleans the sinuses as well. Now, if you cannot tolerate iodine, or you have a hyperfunctioning thyroid, or you're pregnant, we advise switching over to hydrogen peroxide. Hydrogen peroxide is available as a 3% solution. Its dilution is 3 quarters of a teaspoon, the same 1.5 ounces of water, shot glass of water, and the same procedure. Helpful tip. If it stings at all, it's too, too strong. Make it more dilute. It takes very little to kill the virus. Just like it takes very little hand sanitizer to kill the virus if the virus is on the hand, it takes very little to kill it. But the vast majority of transmission comes through the air, doesn't come through the hands. That's the reason why the focus on hand sanitizer has been a misdirection. The focus on spraying football stadium states, it's, it's not the way it was transmitted. So we've learned over time, 12 clinical studies, what we know in acute treatment, the virucidal nasal washes have about a 70% benefit. That's huge. And then we use additional medicines, but off the bat, and then in prevention, it's about a 50% benefit, largely because we don't know who's going to pick up the virus or not in the clinical studies. But I give credit to those uh, in, uh, uh, in East Asia, uh, Singapore, and in Bangladesh for leading the way. And I think it's been terrible that our public health agencies, our clinics, and our hospital systems have not given informational sheets to Americans on how to do this. This is simple, safe effective. We don't, we don't want to mislead people. It, 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 it is, uh, may not be curative uh, in everyone, but it's assistive and it's a reasonable, practical thing that people can do to defend themselves. Well, the next question for me to you is, so what about masks? Do they, do they really prevent any type of spread of the virus at all? Masks became a symbol of concern. 
masks became a symbol of people who were trying to do something to protect themselves and protect others. And I think the symbolism of masks is what propelled the interest in masks and mask mandates and continued use of masks. Now, I'm a doctor. I wear a mask every day in the hospital. I go to the cardiac catheterization laboratory. I'll do it. I work with surgeons. I wear masks. Dental, dentists, dental hygienists. Why do we wear masks? Because if we're working with our hands and we're at close range and we have an uncontrollable sneeze, it can help stop some of the droplets. Masks do not stop aerosolized particles, dust, smoke, uh, viral particles uh, at all. Now, there are 12 randomized trials showing masks and respiratory diseases. They have failed. There's been two specific ones in COVID-19. They have largely failed. Mask expert Stephen Petty, an engineer, has uh, filed reports on this all over the country. 18% of the air goes around the mask. Right. So you can just see. Yeah. And then on top of that, when the mask is lowered to eat or drink, it's completely ineffective. So you, you put all that together, of course masks are gonna have effect. One of the most common sense things you can think of, if two people don't have the virus and they go to school and wear a mask, the mask can't do anything. Now if you have 100 people who don't have the virus and they all wear masks, the mask can't do anything, right? It makes sense. How about 1,000 people? They still can't do anything, right? So the only thing that we ever needed to do was exactly what the Great Barrington Declaration said. The Great Barrington Declaration was proposed in the third quarter of 2020 by Jay Bhattacharya at Stanford, Martin Kaldorf at Harvard, and Sunitra Gupta at Oxford. And it said, only do these protective measures in our seniors, people living in congregate settings, nursing home patients, nursing home workers, and leave the rest of society alone. It was the Great Barrington Declaration was a targeted approach. It came right on the heels of my seminal publication on how to treat COVID-19. So once we knew how to treat COVID-19 early, the Great Barrington Declaration, in my view, should have been the public health response. We should have had continued review and focus on our seniors. Uh, there still is a large fraction of the deaths in the United States were among our seniors. The seniors remain the most vulnerable in our population. And in my view, it has been a colossal mistake to shift the focus onto young people and take our eye off the ball on our seniors. Well, Dr. McCullough, thank you very much for joining us today. We, we really appreciate the work you're doing and the message that you're promoting to the general public. And we only wish you all the best. And thanks for joining us today on the Affirm America podcast. Well, thanks so much for having me. You can follow me on America Out Loud Talk Radio, The okay, McCullough Report. Sure will. And I'll, I'll put that in the description box so my uh, listeners can uh, check you out. Great. Thanks again. God bless All you. Right. You're a good guy. Yeah, you too, buddy. Good. Thank you so much. Okay, there you go. Uh, Dr. Peter McCullough giving us some great inside information on the COVID virus that you're not going to get from the mainstream media, or even from our government as far as that goes. Many things were left out. Uh, some things that we can do to protect ourselves and to be able to understand the seriousness of the virus that we're all experiencing and really where the most important segment that we should be watching over is the elderly, those that are not so healthy, and the top-end age groups like the seniors, those are the ones we should focus on. They're the most vulnerable. Everybody else should be forgotten about, uh, kids, 
in elementary school, things like that. That's those are such low risk. It's not even worth all the trouble that we put the kids through with masking and shutting down schools and all the things that we have gone through for the last two years. I also was uh, very appreciative of his idea of the wash, the nose wash, which makes a lot of sense. You really want to protect yourself is to do a nasal wash. And he gave you some very clear prescriptions what to use and how to use it. And that's a very good idea for all of us so that we can protect ourselves from an infection. And if there is a, a variant that comes out, uh, we can uh, also apply some of these ideas and some supplementation that has been out there, vitamin A, C, echinacea, zinc, things like that. So again, I want to thank Dr. McCullough for his, uh, his time with us, and I hope that uh, you all found that to be very informative and will help you in protecting you and your family. So again, thanks for joining us on this episode of uh, Firm America Podcast. We have some more in production right now, editing. We'll bring those to you as soon as they're available on our next episode of the Affirm America podcast. Again, I'm your host, Marquis Vandemark. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed yet, again, go to affirmamerica.com. Give us your email address. We'll send you out an email notification when the next episode comes out. You can reach me also at Marquis, M-A-R-Q-U-I-S, at affirmamerica.com. Thank you all very much. We'll see you again next time on Affirm America podcast. This is the Affirm America podcast with your host, Marquis Vandemark. And let's never forget, America is great and we affirm it.